first movie got into Sundance and then boom, it exploded from there. Like those were the guys that I like looked up to. And then you sort of come to realize that like those guys are like, that's like LeBron James. Like that's going to the pros right after high school and it doesn't yeah. happen all the time. And I'm like, I'm like Bill Cartwright, man. I'm like, I'm on the Bulls team, but I'm kind of like, a, you know, like I'm working my way up, getting better and better as my career goes. And I think if you take the pressure of yourself off as a filmmaker to say, you know, I don't need my first movie to be this monster hit. I don't need to put my everything of my life into this. And and, and if it doesn't work, then I'm never going to do it again. You can you can do things slowly and build your career up, build your skill set up, you know? Today on the show, we are joined with director Andy Palmer to talk about his latest film, The Re-Education of Molly Singer, that is presented by Lionsgate Films and is currently in theaters and out on digital on demand. And what can I say? This was such a fun comedy. Puts an old man like me in the mind state of, what if I could go back to college and mentor somebody? And this flick captures that what if and takes you on a hilarious journey and around talking about the movie and some awesome behind the scenes stuff. Andy gives us some great advice for some aspiring directors. And also, what if he could Molly Singer himself at the beginning of his film journey? What would he do differently? What would he tell himself? I really enjoyed talking to this guy. And yeah, let's get right into it. John, what's right. up, man? Nice to meet you, man. How you doing Pleasure today? You. I'm great. Um, I'm yeah. great. It's hump. It's hump day. You know? Hell yeah, Wednesday. Let's go. Uh -huh. Even um, one thing I really enjoyed about watching this movie too is a lot of me and my friends had like a really crazy college experience, and we're old now, and we've had the conversation like, what would happen if you go back? And even yes. I do love the concept of like also being somebody's mentor because obviously after it you have all this experience like from the mistakes and everything and I just kind of want to know did you have like a similar college or university experience of just like craziness a, a little bit I and it's funny because uh, I, I think that like I think that Molly Singer kind of represents what I what I would have done in college had I had I to do it over again right mm -hmm. uh, I was like I kind of figured out very early on, like what I wanted to do. I wanted to like be a filmmaker. I, I, you know, that, that sort of happened freshman year in college. And then I became sort of singularly like focused on that. And I had fun and I had great friends and stuff like that. But I think I definitely like didn't have as many hijinks as I could have, or done in many as, as many adventures as I could have. And so, yeah, Molly is like sort of that, almost like that do over for me. To, Cause it was so fun to be back on campus and be around kids that age and stuff like that. And like have my pop culture references mean nothing to them, you know? And I was like, yeah. Oh my God, I'm the old man at the table now, you know? Uh, <laughs> but, but it was fun to just to kind of be around that energy for sure. Yeah, that's really cool. And even like, uh, as you mentioned, Molly, I thought Britt did such an amazing job. And even uh, with Nico uh, casted as her, her friend and everything. Yeah. And uh, kind of what went into the casting process of like, finding these two, because I feel like their chemistry was like super special and awesome. Like it felt so natural and hilarious. Yeah, I mean, just a testament to how talented and amazing they are not only as actors but they're just both amazing people uh and so they sort of hit it off right away just just through the sheer force of them just being so cool um but no the casting process was like 
it, it it was sort of this process of like wouldn't it be great if and it was like wouldn't it be great if we got like Britt robertson she was like i think the second person that got the script and and then two weeks later i was on a zoom with her and she was like yeah this is fun i like this and i was like i couldn't even believe it uh and then when we were working on the script kevin and, and todd and i kind of revamping it because it had been written years earlier and it was actually written for a male lead it was called the re-education of david singer and so we all decided we wanted to kind of flip it it would just be a little bit fresher kind of modernize the humor a little bit and so when we were talking about the best friend which was sort of like in the original script sort of more stifler-esque sort of best friend his name was hoss i was like yeah we should you know make this like I don't know, like somebody like a Nico Santos, you know, like I literally said that. And then his his rep submitted for it, uh, you know, not not knowing any of that. And I was like, go get this man. He is the one. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And uh, yeah, their chemistry was like so natural. Like it was like very like believable, like throughout yeah. the movie that they were just buddies. And I feel like Nico had some of my favorite like one liners just kind of sprinkled in throughout the whole thing. And uh, yeah, you mentioned like kind of like revamping it to make it modern. And I noticed like, uh, like we're both a bit older guys. You have like the TikTok stuff going on. Yeah, yeah. Is that like a challenge or did you have like a little young consultant and stuff? Well, like that? I think I thank my wife for at least she's she doesn't like perform anything on TikTok, but she is very into like scrolling TikTok. And then so we have this this sort of ritual at night after dinner she goes okay it's TikTok video time and she kind of like scoots next to me on the couch and shows me the day's you know videos so luckily i was aware of it because i am not currently on the TikTok. i'm barely on the instagram you know mm -hmm. um but yeah so that was sort of a, a trial by fire and yes you do have to ask kids like would this would they say this or how would this you know be because even elliot is not really at the beginning He's doing his like MMA in front of the camera. And I was like, that's not really how you use TikTok. I don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just totally exaggerated. And one thing yeah. that kind of uh, brought myself back was uh, a lot of the games they were playing in like Molly kind of like being like the coach where it's like King's Cup and, yeah. and like all that. And, even like I was hoping that people still did that in college if they they do or not, but that was like such a, a throwback to me. We're gonna we're gonna definitely find out. Uh, you know, in in a week yeah. or so, people are like, "Oh my god!" Either it's gonna be a bunch of old people like us going like, "I remember those days," or the kids mm -hmm. are gonna be like, "We do that now." So, uh, but yeah, Kings Cup was my game. That was my jam in college. We we had uh, we had this really cool uh, house off campus that my buddy uh, that my buddy bought. And I think my rent was $200 a month. It was just, it was the biggest, it was the biggest deal ever. And yes, we threw some amazing parties and King's Cup was, that was my jam. Yeah, had a definitely a similar experience. And uh, even um, watching the film and at the end, like uh, seeing all the blooper reels that uh, put a smile on my face. And that must have been like a very fun set to be on. Um, really I can was. imagine there was a, probably a lot more you didn't put in. And uh, do you want to, let me know a little bit about the vibe uh going through the movie journey with all these people. yeah it was i mean it, it was by far the most fun set i've ever been on and and in a, in a lot of different ways there was a lot of like craziness going on because we're shooting in atlanta at a time when everything had sort of opened up uh you know as covid was you know covid protocols were starting to ease a little bit and stuff like that and so there were a lot of movies going on in atlanta when we were shooting there and so behind the scenes there was like a little bit of chaos and like we would lose crew members to much bigger films like all the marvel shows were shooting oh, tyler perry was shooting a bunch of stuff like it was just like there was a lot of competition for a crew and uh so there was that sort of that sort of stuff but you know our sort of our core crew producers line producers 
uh, and stuff like that were were all amazing. But the cast are just what they just made it so easy. A, everybody was just they were so great. Nobody was late. Nobody missed a mark. It was just like it was just they're such professionals. And then and then you're just and so then you're just having fun. So it's like once the cameras started rolling, we were just having fun. And yes, my script supervisor, Annie, would punch me because I would laugh and like a tail like they would say something and I would laugh and I would almost blow the take because I'm like, you know, I'm in video, video village a little ways away, but close enough that the the sound guy was going to whack me with his boom if I did it again, because they, they, they're hysterical. And Nico especially is just he's a treasure trove of one liners. And yeah, the hardest part to edit of the movie was the blooper reel because it was like Tim and I are like, I don't know, what do we put in? What do we not put in? I mean, it's just we could go, we could have done two rounds of that if we wanted to. Yeah, for sure. It seemed like just such a fun vibe. And uh, I think what's cool about talking to you, to you today, um, a lot of uh, the interviews I've done as late with the directors were with people who directed either like action or horror. And yeah. it's cool to kind of get like a bit of a comedy perspective. And what do you personally think uh, is like maybe uh, some some advice or something for somebody who's like trying to get into directing their own comedy film and everything? Yeah, comedy is, you know, comedy is tricky in, in the realm of depending on how you want to go. And, and, it, and it really depends on your goals. And I, I actually came up doing horror movies. So like my uh, first, yeah. you know, like my first six movies were some derivative of, of, of horror films um, because horror is, is this amazing genre where you don't need to spend a lot of money and you can cast unknown, unknown actors and, and, and still have this level of credibility if you make a, a good, fun, scary movie. And so that was sort of our theory. It was like, hey, listen, it's hard to like be able to like sell a comedy when you don't have a Britt Robertson or a Nico Santos and stuff like that. It's just a genre that's di more difficult to sell. So I kind of like worked my way up and my movie Funhouse Massacre was a horror comedy and then Witness Infection was a horror comedy. So I was always sort of like angling in that direction. Um, but yeah, I would say that if you're going to do a comedy and it's going to be your first movie, then do it as inexpensively as possible. I'm talking like iPhones and, you know, do your own version of the big chill where everybody's hanging out at a cabin for, you know, a weekend where you're in like one isolated location and you just have nothing but blocking of scenes and working with amazing, talented people. And that way it's like you're sort of you're sort of mitigating your risk and still and still working your way up to, you know, being able to work with bigger and bigger names, which is where you know, then you can sort of you comedies are a little bit easier to uh, to get out into the marketplace and stuff like that. So, you know, start start small. There's there's nothing stopping anyone anymore. I mean, whether it be an iPhone or like I mean, I just saw there's like uh, there's a Chinese company called Zcam. They have this amazing cinema camera. It's fifteen hundred dollars. It's it's yeah. nothing. And the thing is this powerhouse cinema machine. And I'm like, there's just nothing stopping anybody anymore, you know? Yeah, it's insane how everything's moving. And even like a handful of years ago, like one of my favorite monster movies, uh, Shin Godzilla came out. It was from yeah. Japan. And uh, I, I remember just seeing one thing. I'm like, oh, I love this scene. And then I saw the making of come on like YouTube. And it was literally the director was like in a subway train with his phone, recorded that. Yeah. And then they just added like the yeah. like digital Godzilla. <laughs> like, but the quality of like, what you have in your pocket is amazing. And I, I also think that's great advice too, because uh, I do meet a lot of people who are trying to get into like making their own films or going for their first one. And they yeah. think they need to take out a loan or yeah, yeah, spend yeah. all this money. But sometimes like, like you said, you can just take your own resources and roll with it, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I think that it's just like, I, and it, it really depends on, on who you are as a filmmaker. And, and there are filmmakers. I, I always liken myself, like, you know, I look at the guy, I, I think the thing that I, that I had to overcome was this idea that like, I didn't have to be this, like the, like the, the guy that hit right away, you know, like there was this, you know, cause when you're a filmmaker, you're like the people I idolize are like, Soderbergh and you know and Kevin Smith and Edward Burns all these guys that had like their first movie got into Sundance and then boom it exploded from there like those were the guys that I like looked up to and then you sort of come to realize that like those guys are like that's like LeBron James like that's going to the pros right after high school and it doesn't happen all the time and I'm like I'm like Bill Cartwright man I'm like I'm on the Bulls team but I'm kind of like a you know like I'm working my way up getting better and better as my career goes and I think if you take the pressure of yourself off as a filmmaker to say, I, you know, I don't need my first movie to be this monster hit. I don't need to put my everything of my life into this. And, and, and if it doesn't work, then I'm never going to do it again. You can, you can do things slowly and build your career up, build your skill set up, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's amazing. And maybe like, like, it's cool that you mentioned that you were like doing horror at the beginning. If you could like kind of, go back in molly singer your own career at the beginning of like your journey yeah yeah. Uh, what would you tell your uh your younger self uh stepping into this world you know it's i i i uh i figured out my freshman year in college that i wanted to be a filmmaker because i had i'd always wanted to be an actor and i declared as a theater major and then went to my first theater class with kids that had probably been doing it you know much more intensively and 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 much more professionally than i did and i was like oh my gosh i'm terrible at this and so i sort of segued into film in that regard uh and if and and then so i remember um you know looking up to guys that had come in up like through advertising because when i was in college it was like you know the big guys were like music videos were huge and there was like a lot of like you know high-end commercials and there were a lot of filmmakers that had gotten in that and my college didn't have a film program, but they had an advertising program. And I was like, well, maybe I'll go through advertising and I'll start in commercials and work my way up. Right. And I remember asking my advertising teacher if that was a, a wise choice. He goes, oh, yeah. I was like, so you don't think I should go to film school? And he goes, no, 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 that's for cameramen. And I was like, oh, OK. And so then I get out and like I sort of learned that I probably should have gone to film school because it was it did take me longer to like understand set protocol and 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 you know all these sort of things i had to i had to learn on the fly and uh, much to the chagrin of many of my crew members i'm sure uh and so yeah i think if i i had it to do over again i probably would have gone back to film school <laughs> that's so cool that you said that i have a very similar path um i didn't know what i wanted to do and i'm like oh i'm kind of creative i went into creative advertising yep. and one day uh they had a project where i picked up a camera and like you mentioned, like I fell in love with like filming stuff. And now, like 15 years later, like I'm in productions and all this, yep. but it took a longer time to get there, you know, where yes, yes. maybe I could have skipped some steps, but uh, I wouldn't trade the journey for every anything. Too, and, 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 and that's the same. And like in the in regards to like, I met amazing friends that I still hold dear to this day. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's so much, there's so many stories in Molly Singer from my time at, 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 at Northern Arizona. So I was like, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I probably would have gone to film school, but I also would have missed out on a lot of those adventures, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's cool to hear that perspective and everything of, about your story. And um, 
Are you working on uh, another film now, or are you just focused on promoting uh, Molly Singer? Molly, you know, we're, we're kind of forefront, and then I also edit a lot. So I'm actually editing um, a show uh, for CW right now called F-Boy Island, uh, which is like this hyper-comedic version of The Bachelor, and it's amazing. It's like our third season, and uh, yeah, and I enjoy that immensely because it's just the crew and everybody are amazing is that the one with nikki uh, glazer nikki glazer yeah awesome so yeah. We were, yeah so you did hbo for two seasons and then hbo dropped it but then cw picked it up so it'll be and we're doing we're actually doing f boy and f girl island so there's now, now a spin-off in it. and f girl island is insane like i just started it and i'm like <laughs> this is gonna be nuts like it's gonna be it, it's like it's really like funny and the the cast is really good and stuff like that so uh um yeah so i'm doing that and then i have a, a project that i'm trying to get off the ground that i that i wrote it'll be like the first one that i kind of uh that that's like i have my stamp on fully as a writer uh with my buddy ben bagley uh who wrote funhouse massacre and it's a it's a family comedy but uh set in the world of professional bass fishing you know as <laughs> it, it, it being a, a hugely popular sport i figured why not right yeah I, i'm already very intrigued I just, I just love how wacky that sounds and everything and yeah that just sounds so fun it's called bite me it's nascar with gills my friend <laughs> well amazing well it was fun to chat with you this morning Oh, Sean, what a pleasure man yeah and hopefully you work, that... in, you work in production too and film and stuff like that um mostly like it started with like live events and oh, now cool. it's kind of segued into like a jack of all trades type of thing and i'm actually uh just wrapped up my first uh television uh like a sequence now so i'm gonna get my first tv credit really soon but uh Congrats. i've just been kind of all over the place like going on adventures with cameras and like interviews and everything so uh that's so cool yeah. man right yeah, on time yeah, right awesome. And, and hopefully around um like that uh when the bass fishing one comes out, we can uh, talk to you again and uh catch up and uh promote that as well. I'm always down for it. That'd be great. Awesome, man. Well, Andy, I hope you have a wonderful day and everything and uh I'll uh, I'll keep in touch. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, cheers. Hope you guys enjoyed that quick interview with Andy Palmer. Like we mentioned, the re-education of Molly Singer is in theaters right now and on digital on demand. Definitely check that out if you just want to turn off your brain for a bit and have a good laugh. Also, before we go, we got to thank all you legends on the Patreon page. First up, our boy Mike Carniello with the Testing with Mike YouTube channel. Check out Testing with Mike if you're into technology, electronics, how they work, and most importantly, how to fix them. Also, much love to Amanda McKnight of Top 10 Nerd. Beyond being the host of the multi-million subscribe channel Top 10 Nerd, Amanda McKnight also has her own personal channel. That's absolutely awesome. Definitely check it out if you're into comic books, video games, film and television, and all things nerdy. Also, another thanks to the wonderful Jenny Potter, the legend Devin McBride, Ryan frickin' Campbell, my favorite soul singer, Saber, and last but not least, Francis Coffer, aka my mom. If you want to shout out at the end of every episode and also get these episodes early, raw, and uncut, right when I'm done the Zoom call, I just post them, you can go to patreon.com slash the creative imbalance and beyond helping us out and forever having my thanks, you can go to bed at night just knowing you're a badass motherfucker who supports raw, uncut, independent media. And nobody can take that away from you. You hear me? 
And with that being said, we got a lot more interviews for you. I'm actually backed up. I'm having an anxiety attack. I got so much to edit and even more booked for the future. But around all that anxiety and stress, I'm having a good time. And I appreciate you guys listening. And we'll catch you next time. Boom. Boom.